fine. Next time I'll just, no, next time I'll do the same thing. And the time after that, because that's what decent people do. That's what good people do. Welcome to Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. We are uh, coming back after a little break. I want to just like apologize up top for how long it has taken me to get uh, the last episode out. Uh, this one will be coming to you much sooner. Look, you and had some life stuff. I had some life stuff. I am sitting here. Um, so I burned my hand, my, my, my hand the other evening. And um, I've done this before, which is why I'm so mad at myself. And the thing I'm most mad about is right now I have to manually punch in my passcode on my phone because it's not reading my fingerprint. Oh, no. Because I don't have a fingerprint anymore. Is, is, this the, is this the same hand that you had previously burned or the other one? This is the other one now. Oh, no. Both of them. Yeah. Now I can go do crimes. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. Yes. But, uh, you I know. I have a reputation for not bailing people out. We are recording, <laughs> this is true, we are recording this also on the day that uh, Bean Dad is trending on Twitter. Um, um, I missed that one. Some yeah, some podcaster uh, in the course of like six hours managed to be like, hey, look, I have a podcast. Oh, I did something terrible to my child. They got dragged for it. Tried to cash in on the drama. Uh, to promote their podcasts, and now their account is disabled. Oh, let's not do that. You know, I I just want to say that uh, I feel very safe saying that we here at Storybroke, Miserably Ever After, will never be the main characters of the internet for a day. Please no. I never want that. Ever. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, I think that it's uh, this episode is... Certainly an episode of a television show, wouldn't you say? Oh, man. I mean, I I understand. You know, they came down from uh, the last episode, which was murdering a rape victim. Pardon, yes. pardon my pardon my use of that term. And so they had to they had to bring us back to I'm using air quotes here. Normal somehow. Um, uh, yeah. And I think that it may also be because we are so politically exhausted here in the year now 2021 that maybe an election show, like a show about a political election, just wasn't ticking any of the boxes it once would have ticked for us. There were definitely some phrases in this episode that I like flat out noted, well, that hits different in this era. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 wait. Yeah. It was, um, well, good never wins because good has to play by the rules and evil never does. <laughs> what about um, vote your conscience? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's get that synopsis going, Elaine. If you want to kick us off with the uh, the olden timey. Okay, here's the basic plot. Once upon a time, a cowardly wool peddler was dreading the day his son would be taken off to die in the ogre wars on his fourteenth birthday. Desperate to save his son from a sacrificial drafting, Rumpelstiltskin tried to run away with his son Balefire only to be harassed by a duke who had the backing of the mystical and all-powerful Dark One. After being thoroughly embarrassed by his son being told by the duke that not only had his precious father run away from the Ogre Wars, possibly causing the tides to turn in the Ogre's favor, but his cowardice had caused his wife to leave them in shame, with some additional physical humiliation for fun, Rumpelstiltskin was helped by an old beggar he'd previously aided. 
The beggar told him that the Dark One was currently being controlled by the Duke because he's in possession of the magical dagger, the source of the Dark One's powers. If he were to steal the knife, he could control the Dark One himself. But if he were to kill the Dark One with the dagger, then all of the power would be his to control. Desperate, Rumpelstiltskin convinced his son to help him burn down the fortress. He successfully stole the dagger and summoned the Dark One. The Dark One mercilessly taunted him, which steeled Rumpelstiltskin's decision to take the power for himself and freed the old beggar from the burden of the mantle of the Dark One and magically signed his own name to an unknown but powerful contract. Rumpelstiltskin, filled with his new power and confidence, murdered the Duke and his men, saving the children of his village from being sent off to slaughter in the Ogre Wars. But at what cost, dearie? In Storybrooke, it is two weeks after the unfortunate heart attack death of Sheriff Graham. Yes, definitely a heart attack. We investigated it. It was a heart attack. He was attacked by a heart. Sorry, I, I had to go on a stupid tangent there. There was a heart involved. A heart was involved. Mr. Gold thinks Emma should claim her rightful spot as sheriff, only to be contradicted by Mayor Mills, who fires Emma to appoint her own candidate, Sidney Glass, you know, the, the newspaper guy who's been in like three episodes. Not one to let a good town charter go unread, Mr. Gold gives Emma the tools and confidence she needs to challenge the mayor's authority by pointing out that an election must be held for the sheriff's position, for which she will be running. Henry's mental health is struggling as he finds their efforts to thwart the curse useless because good can't play dirty the way evil can and encourages Emma to stop fighting to stay safe. Regina digs up Emma's juvenile prison records and releases them to Sydney, who writes a scathing report about how she gave birth to her son in jail while in jail as a minor. When Emma confronts the mayor about this absolutely illegal and extremely unethical act, an explosion puts both of their lives in danger. Emma chooses to save Regina, making her the town hero. Unfortunately, Emma recognizes the handiwork of Mr. Gold, who set the fire to help out her election chances. She exposes Mr. Gold at the town hall debate, because Good needs to win by the rules, not using dirty tactics. Luckily for her, the townsfolk love that she had the courage to stand up to Mr. Gold and name her the duly elected sheriff of Storybrooke, exactly the way Mr. Gold planned. So, let's talk about it. Okay, so where would you like to start? Uh, let's start with, let's start with the old, uh, the, 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 um, my brain just shut off for a second. Let's start in the Enchanted Forest, because right. I feel like there's less to talk about there. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's a pretty straightforward origin story uh, with obviously plot points that don't make sense, but I mm -hmm. guess if you've been stuck in a powerful being almighty and powerful but also a slave then yeah death might be the way out yeah i so right off the bat you know we're seeing uh rumpelstiltskin in yeah. in his unpowered form you know before he became rumples the rumpelstiltskin we the rumpelstiltskin we all know and love i think i'll be calling him rumple this episode just call him rumple I just started yeah. writing rump in my stuff too. So that works. They were BF and rump. Um, yeah, we see the first shot we see is him um, spinning wool. Yeah. Which, you know, foreshadowing. So we get a, uh, you know, 
uh, uh, his son comes in and is like, it's happening, some bad stuff. Oh, they, they, they came to take one of the girls in town because she just hit her birthday. Yeah. This scene is a little weird to me because of the line where the, the Duke of the Head Soldier, it's not he's super clear. He's, he's like a duke. duke. He's a Duke. Because they reference the Duke, but then I'm looking at the uh, the trivia for the show and they talk about there was a scene with the Duke with another actor oh. cast as the Duke. Well, and it I, just was called him, I just called him the Duke throughout the whole thing. He got a promotion. He got promoted. Um, he got promoted due to... The episode the being boring? Being extremely murky. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so like... When he's like taking this like child and he's like, she can ride with me. I'm like, oh, that feels sinister. Oh, it, that whole, he was, these guys were obviously the bad guys from the beginning. Like there's nothing murky. This isn't like, he's not actively like, he's not a good army recruiter. Like a no. good army recruiter will say, you know, you're doing this for your country. You're doing this for your men. You're doing this to save lives. And, you know. The honor and all this Come stuff. Come watch my Twitch stream. This guy, this guy is just like, well, you're it. You're old enough. Time to die. Let's go. What you gonna do? What you gonna do, lady? That's it. Yeah. So it's mostly to introduce the powerful dark one, which I remember the first time I watched this, I giggled. I was like, the dark one. Yeah, that's super lazy. Here he Little is. did I know we would be hearing the phrase the dark one a lot. I love that our, our first shot of the dark one is in broad daylight. So that's always fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, you know, time progresses and uh, Rumpelstiltskin, Rumpel decides he's going to like sneak his son away in the dark of night. So we get this scene of him heading down the dark woods with his son like in, in his cane in hand and he's like oh i'm, I'm gonna get out of here we're gonna do this trying and to old, hide him in the bushes yeah um so this old beggar approaches and asks for a coin and he, he gives him a coin and he's you know a good man me knowing absolutely nothing about how fairy tales work i know we're never gonna see that old beggar again that's definitely not coming back did you because that is not how i saw that Oh yeah, no, I'm oh, yeah. being oh, sarcastic. Being, I can't tell. I can't see your face. Oh, now I feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, like I said. This episode was yes. it was a it was a lot predictable. Yes. So the second you see this man, you're like, okay, well he's coming back. I mean, I bet that dude's the freaking dark one. It's understandable that some of this is predictable. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme, tale <laughs> as old as time. We're not even there yet, and I'm already making those jokes. Uh, oh man, just wait. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get so mad. Okay, uh, so I also forgot. I remember. I forgot that his son, which I don't think he said his full name, but he calls him Bay. Bale, it's Balefire. Right. He's, he he it, said he called him Balefire in the first scene. Yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, but he calls him Bay, which yeah. in retrospect is wild, considering how like. Oh my God! How yes. that, that that term became a term of endearment, extremely common. Yeah, I think this was around the same time. It's like, well, we're just going to stick to that, huh? Yeah, that's where we are. That's where we are. So uh, they run away, and then uh, promoted Duke uh, finds them and makes sure yeah. to embarrass him in front of his son. Oh uh, yeah, this weird jerk ass dude is just here to shame him in front of his child. And okay, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little out of my box here. Mm-hmm. And this whole this kiss my boot thing. Oh god. This is definitely 
whoever wrote this scene's barely disguised fetish. Yeah. Especially, especially looking at this this poser Duke man, like this men.com ass looking man in full black leather. I hate this scene. It it was uncomfortable. It was forced. This whole scene was forced and upsetting. And, yeah. and I hated how gullible Balefire was. Like Balefire was looking for a reason not to be proud of his dad for as well as this worked. <laughs> like this is, it's it's like, I, I'm not going to rag on a child actor, mm-hmm. but uh, motivations are very unclear in this scene. Well, here's the other thing. Like the whole reason that Rumpelstiltskin agreed to kiss this dude's boot was a sacrificial parental act to save his son from absolute death. And this child doesn't understand parental sacrifice. No, he does not. Um, So Rumpel is, you know, going back and forth on like, kiss my boot. And uh, then, then, you know, Duke guy (laughs) goes to draw his weapon while shouting, kiss my boot. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying that when this video went up on the enchanted forest, Twitter, Which is literally just like a series of birds carrying things around. Yeah. Regina retweeted it and was just like, maybe he should have complied. Thin blue line. Um, (laughs) You were just saying we're not going to be lead characters of Twitter. uh, Well, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so he kisses the guy's boot. The guy kicks him in the face, I believe. Yes. And, um, runs off laughing, lets him keep his son. Cause he's got two more days till his birthday. He'll get him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the old beggar who he just helped came up and offers to be his benefactor. He'll help in any way he can as long as Rumpelstiltskin like feeds him. Yeah. And, and in terms of the episode, we've heard someone offer to be a benefactor in this episode. Yeah. Um, in the Storybrooke side. And so that's if you haven't picked up on who this beggar is, they are telegraphing it so hard. Yeah. Um. To the point where when the reveal finally happens, it's like, Jesus, it's about time. It's like Rumpel was the only one who didn't know. Yeah. 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 But the, the beggar tells him everyone has a choice in life. And Rumpel's like, I don't. The only choice I have as the town ba- uh, town coward is which corner I'm going to hide in. All all he's got left is Balefire. Which the way he describes himself as the town coward just made me like giggle. Yeah. Because I'm like, is this like an official position? Is this like a turn of phrase I've just never heard? Ah, yes, the town coward. A real role that exists in every town. Everyone's got one. Yeah, like per, like there's, what you do is you take your least um, admirable quality and that becomes what you are for the town. Ours, ours became mayor president. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be the lead character of Twitter. <laughs> um, I am the town shit poster. <laughs> I am the town talks way too much about cat boys in public. I love it. Yeah, that's 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 my role. I'm the town, um, I'm the town mom friend. The town mom friend. You are. You're 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 the town Snow White. <laughs> okay. And not just because your skin is like porcelain. Sometimes. Sometimes. All right. So so uh, yes. the beggar. The beggar. We really don't want to talk about this episode, y'all. You <laughs> I've watched this episode three times and my notes are Spartan. I stopped it too. <laughs> I think I hate this episode more than last week's because last week's was like problematic and gave us a lot of meat to talk about. This episode just just let's, sucks. Let's power through. Power through. Oh, we, we got this. Just oh, yeah. Let's just bare bones it. 
but yeah, I, I do enjoy the scene with the old man. It's um, it's got its moments. I definitely yeah. did not get up during it every single time it was playing and then just not bother pausing it. So so the, the beggar <laughs> is the one who tells him that the Duke has the dark one the, in the, his thrall in his thrall because he holds the, the magical dagger that is the source of the power. Um, and anyone who hold, who has that dagger controls the dark one. So if you went and stole that dagger, the dark one would work for you. And then he's like, oh, but I don't want to keep a slave. And the beggar's like, I got something for that, too. Yep. You can just you can just stab him. Just take it. Just take just that power. Take it. Uh, I got to say, for being an episode that I'm very upfront, I did not enjoy. They do introduce a lot of elements that become integral yeah. to the entire concept of the dark one to Rumpelstiltskin and who he is as a character. Exposition I, is important. Yes. Um, it, it just, it just felt dull. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite thing about this episode was when the next scene, we are making torches. Yeah. We with explained Lanolin. why we're making torches with Lanolin, um, heavily implying Again, uh, telegraphing what is happening on the other side of the episode. And then the next thing we know, the Duke's house is on fire. Rumple runs in on his own, grabs the dagger. And I want to like, point Bleh. out, before we get to that, um, <laughs> he has to convince Balefire to help him. Because Balefire makes a good point that all this wool that they're coating with Lanolin could sell for good money and they're wasting it by making it flammable. What are they doing? And Rumple tells him his plan and before he agrees to help him, he's like, is all that stuff that guy said true? Like, are you really a coward, dad? Are you, a, did, you told me mom was dead. And he's like, she is. He's like, oh, okay. His delivery and, for his, she is dead is really the, good. That's, I think the sadness in his voice when, when he says she is dead is what convinces him, I'm going to help my dad do this because I'm what my dad has left. Yeah, it's, it's so soft the way he says it. But I was oh. still so mad at him before he finally like gave into it. I was yeah. so mad at Balefire for like being such a sucker and like this is your dad who has like risked everything to keep you safe and you're gonna just pick on him for being a coward like everyone else does. Yeah. And he let it go. Like his dad was upfront with him and honest with him, which is all I guess he wanted. Um and he he softens to his dad, he's like, Okay, let's go burn down a rampart. Yeah, you know, which I think that, not to spoil that we may be seeing Balefire more in the future, but uh, it really does hit home that some people are just born jackasses. <laughs> some people I'm... just, regardless of how they're no. parented, regardless of their childhood, they're just born to be just kind of assholes. I like the later iteration of Balefire. Matt, that's you. <laughs> That is me. I like the later iteration. The adult version of him, I like. Not the teen version, the adult version. Spoiler, we'll see him later as an adult. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I think it's very safe to say that no character is hesitant. I don't want to say wasted, but nothing is ever not used later in this show. Some characters are wasted. Look at old beggar here. Oh. <laughs> so, 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 so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we get this, we do get a nice scene. It it mm -hmm. reiterates a lot of what was told to us by the beggar mm -hmm. in the last scene, but it is a good father-son 
and- moment and we get to learn a little bit more about how these two interact with each other in character and we'll revisit it yeah we'll revisit a lot of his stuff later yeah but yeah i i that's why i'm like i loved when the just right after this the castle's burning he gets the knife there's no problems it's one set one scene that's pretty brave yeah like let's just get this out of the way and yeah pretty brave of him he was real brave in that i was very proud of him like he he finally steeled himself to do what he needed to do to save his son and that include going into a burning building stealing a mystical dagger and summoning a dude made of power yeah and then killing him and then killing him yeah those two have a like i'm just gonna say i did not I'm really glad from your description that you read something into and found a reason for why, uh, what motivated Rumpel to actually kill the Dark One and take his power. Oh, he goaded him. Like he goaded him, but he I was just like, the heck out of him. Oh, now we're stabbing him. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, he 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 started questioning the um the bloodline of Balefire. Like, oh, your wife hated you so much. It's probably not even your kid. You're gonna you're gonna sacrifice your life and all this power for this kid that's probably not even yours. And you, this is all this man has left in the world. And he was trying to take that away from him. Yep. And so he goaded him into it. But that was again his plan from the start. Yep. Because um, he can re- he can recognize a desperate soul. He can recognize a desperate soul, and that is uh, very clearly where Rumpel gets the line: "Magic always comes with a price." Yeah, and- he, he has his own spin on it, but mm-hmm. magic always comes with a price. Looks now like it's yours to pay. Yes, I also liked. Looks like you made a deal you didn't understand. I don't think you'll do that again. Whoop. Whoop. So. So yeah, he did it. Oh yeah, his name was Zoso. Zoso. Zoso, which is way easier to magically carve on a dagger and say repeatedly than Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. Every time I have to say Rumpelstiltskin, I panic a little. Yeah, and I'm not even drinking this week. (laughs) I just have water. I have water, you know why? Because it's the most interesting drink for this episode. It is the most interesting drink for this episode. It's just a cool... Well, let's be real. It's a lukewarm glass of unfiltered water from the sink. It's just dripping condensation all over my coaster. Uh, so, so it's okay. necessary to live and to advance the plot, but it has very little to offer beyond that. So then the next morning, which is Balefire's birthday, the day the Duke, the promoted Duke and his henchmen come into town to take him away. And his dad's nowhere to be seen. He's like, everyone's hiding indoors today. All right, kid, you coming with me. Um, and uh, who shows up but the dark one? Yeah. But it's not the dark, dark one that he's used to controlling. It's some other dark one. Um, new dark one. Introducing new dark one. <laughs> now with extra murder. Yeah. And, this whole, and so he gets to replay Kiss My Boot. Mm-hmm. Um, Rumpel, Rumpel makes the other guy kiss his boot and then murders him just straight just up snaps murders his him. neck just, and then proceeds to, he murdered one guy already. He's going to murder everyone else. And before he took this power, he had said to his son, imagine the good I could do with this power. I could use this power for good. I could save all the children of this town, this village. I, yeah. He wants to use the power for good. And by killing these people, he is getting 
his chance to save the village and be the hero of the village for that day. Um, but like I like I wrote in the thing, at what price? Oh, and I mean, the way he kills them, he just like dispatches them, uh, snaps fake Duke's neck. I, I'm going to say I was a little weirded out by this whole scene of violence. Yeah. Well, um, so was Bay. Well, it does give us this great shot of like, madly grinning Rumpelstiltskin holding a bloody knife like yeah. son are you scared why don't no, you come no, over here it's like no, you're no, safe it, the, the line I wrote down after Balefire obviously looks horrified is you're safe Bay. do you feel safe son and his son goes not really <laughs> no. um, I just feel like since we have expressed that the dark one is magic and that we're getting the dark one's magic that that magic being demonstrated for the first time with Rumpelstiltskin as physical physical violence is a little bit I don't know it was a lot I I would have rather watched him you know do something more interesting like turn them into bugs make them fight each other set them on fire just boom magic fire that you know turn them into golden statues oh that whole place was made of thatch that would have gone up like that you couldn't set them on fire but instead we just get there was a lanolin bob waiting to happen fire was a bad call stab some dudes (laughs) stabbed him well he he was physically weak before that so that was a, a showing of physical prowess the magic had changed him so the way i would have fixed this episode this right here yes is have a scene right after all this of him holding the dark one dagger and saying you know like ah yes i have the power now to do this and then a force ghost of zozo appears (laughs) and he says don't you see the real power was the confidence to kill a bunch of dudes you could have done this the darkness was inside you all along. <laughs> like, and then that's it. That's it. No, that would be terrible. The whole too, magic. Right? That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so that just made you look scary, which gave you confidence. I Congrats just, on your makeover. I just threw some gold on you. Yeah. It's just some bold, uh, some gold body glitter. There you go. Oh, everyone's more powerful with gold body glitter. I, yeah, it's true. Everyone. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay. Do you have anything else to say about this? Um, I might have wrote down another quote. Hold on, let me look. Um, um, I'm scared of those teeth. Uh, those teeth were rough. Those teeth. Uh, I don't think we got anything else on that one. That was we touched on all the important stuff that'll come back to haunt us later. Yes. Um. So we cut to Storybrook. Um, the scenes between the episodes have more thematic connections and more really obvious stuff like lines being straight up repeated. Yeah. Then we really have the story mirroring like we do other episodes. Yeah. Um, so this one's a, it's, it's a bit of an odd duck, but I do like this intro of Emma going in. Mm-hmm. Gold, are you here? I am <laughs> just being in the back. Oh, it is my shop. Just I like that. <laughs> like the lines in this one were good. Like it wasn't yeah. the worst episode of TV I've ever seen. I just didn't want to watch it more than once. Um, watching it once was a was nice. Watching it the second time is when I got bored. Yeah, that's what um, it was. The first watch around, I was fine with this episode. 
But then I didn't remember any of it a week later. It just, it's not a memorable episode. Look, I just watched this episode a third time before we started recording. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's foggy. It's just, it's just getting some, getting some bookkeeping out of the way. Literally this, yeah. ep- this show is about bookkeeping. Um, so I, I think the most important thing that happens at this stage of the episode really is just, you know, we have a little conversation. He, he reminds Emma that, you know, she could become the deputy now. Uh, she yeah. could become the, the sheriff now. Well, a couple of very important things happen in this scene other than the plot. Um, yeah. The first one is we we show the lanolin. He's treating lanolin to waterproof stuff. Yes. Um, they point out it that it smells, stinks real it smells bad. It smells terrible. She recognizes it's, she will recognize that smell anywhere from here on out. Um, he owned the apartment where Graham lived. And so he is in charge of handing out his belongings and offers Emma a keepsake, um, ends up giving her some walkie talkies for her boy and says something sweet about, uh, that's the thing about children before you know it, you lose them. Um, and, uh, offers the jacket, which she decides not to take. Yes. Like those are those. And, and then is like, I see you're wearing the deputy's badge. Why don't you wear the sheriff's badge? Here you go. And she's not ready. No. You know? No. Uh, so she, she, you know, we cut to her giving Henry the walkie-talkie or trying to give Henry the walkie-talkie, um, but he's not comfortable. You know, he, ha- yeah. he, it's very clear that this, this kid feels that his meddling, his trying to, to break the curse mm-hmm. is what resulted in the sheriff's death. Yes. Um, that is a... <clears throat> That is a heavy burden for a kid to put on themselves. This kid needs therapy from this, a, a therapist that isn't being controlled by his mother. Yes. Yeah, this was a hard episode. Like, Henry's not in this one a lot, but every time he's in it, I'm sad for him. Yeah. Um, he's so brokenhearted here because good's always going to lose because bad can play dirty. Yeah. And and this affects him really deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, I, I think it's where she's, she, it's really hitting her that she, this child needs her. Yeah. And he's just scared that Emma's going to end up being killed by the curse too. And by the curse, I mean his mother. Yeah. Um, you know, a little while later, I mean, we get a scene of Regina firing mm-hmm. Emma. Oh God. Yeah. The, the very next scene she goes in and she's considering the sheriff's badge because it's been two weeks and she has been doing the sheriff's job. Yep. Um, and right as she is like looking like she might put that badge on, Regina's perfect timing kicks in. Yes. Um, which, as we know from the show at this point, we're on episode eight. Um, if you tell Emma she cannot have something or doesn't want something. Oh, then she Emma goes, says, she gonna get no, it. no, it's mine. I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like how she's like, oh, I'm appointing Sydney Glass. Because he's covered all the sheriff's meetings and town halls. So he knows how this works. What kind of backwards logic is that? Like he has no law enforcement experience, but you know, he's reported on stories about the sheriff's office. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've talked a lot about this uh, show that takes place in a quasi magical world. So I think I am qualified to be the dark one. <laughs> I mean, I, yes, you, you do make a good point. 
Um, I really hated Regina's line in her interchange with Emma, which again, th- ooh, this, these interchanges ooh. kind of begin to blur together at a certain point ooh, for me. Just is it when is it when uh, Emma says you just can't stand that things are getting better around here, and Regina twists her words to say, "Oh, are you happy Graham's dead then?" Are you referring to Graham's death as better? Like that's just off. Yeah, it just to me, especially considering she freaking murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it just feels like, one, you don't get to be upset that he's dead. Mm-hmm. You killed him. Yeah. Two, I mean, like, yes, Emma does not know that, but seriously. T- two, it just felt petty. It was. Oh, she was just being, she was just being manipulative like she do. Ugh. I don't know. It just, at and- this stage of the show... I know that later we will have a Regina redemption arc for like six seasons Which in a row. This pisses me off. But this stuff is just, it's so going back and watching it. I'm like, damn, we really came back from this. Yeah. How did, how did we let this become a redemption arc? Um, so Emma, Emma tries to get her grounding back. And she's like, look, Graham picked me to do this job and he freed this department from your leash and you're not getting it back. And Regina says, actually, I just did. You're fired. And then she snags a badge and, and prances out like she do. So M breaks a toaster. A completely normal, rational response. Um, I stand behind that uh, Emma is canonically bi. And this is just further proof of it because I think bi culture is uh, destroying a, a piece of a, a of a household equipment in a tank top because you're frustrated about something else. Be- because you got fired by your nemesis. Your nemesis. Your nemesis um, fired you. She wants that job back. Damn it! She wants that job back, and she's yep. gonna break this toaster to prove it. Yep. Uh, we we have a brief interchange with with mom friend. Mom Mary friend, Margaret. Mary Margaret. Uh, followed by Mr. Gold entering and making it extremely clear to me personally that he is a lawful evil trickster spirit. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. He comes in with the town charter, the whole binder. And he's like, good news. I can read. Good news. Good news. (laughs) I'm literate. You'd be surprised at how few people read the town charter. The the only thing I noticed about this scene was um, there was a continuity error in whenever he went to sit down, he put the binder down. But when they did a close up, he still had the binder in his hand and then put the binder down. That was it. Um, I want to just screen grab him saying you'd be surprised by how few people read the town charter and just like quietly (laughs) at our own mayor. Stars of Twitter. <laughs> I think it's like very niche. Like there's yeah. like eight people from our city who will be like, oh yeah. Oh snap. Uh, so they, they open up the charter together and that's where Emma discovers that the mayor can't just appoint someone who she wants. She can appoint a candidate, but that candidate has to run against anyone else who is running for sheriff. I gotta say that scene where that hits yes. the press conference is the weakest part of this entire episode. Yeah. In an episode with a lot of weird and wonky moments, um, this is so weird because we've established that there's really not like a big media presence in this town. There's like the paper that Sydney runs. Sydney, yeah. Oh, there's probably and a second one. So why are there like eight extras right? at this press conference yeah with sydney like oh, it takes eight people to do sydney's job 
Oh he's yeah, not, sure. He's just that yeah, good. That. He's that good. And I mean, it's it's Giancarlo. It's fine. I get it. Yeah, like why this much press though? If the mirror is the news here, yeah. and why is no reporter going to ask the question of, "Hey, like, yeah, I get. I mean, this is your boss, but like, how is this going to work? Is he going to stop running the paper?" The sheriff is like a full-time gig. That's what it was. That's what they were doing. All those people there were trying to hope that Sydney was picked them to replace him. I guess so. That's what it was. Those were the hopeful, those were waiting for their hopeful promotion like that Duke. No one has a reaction to Emma coming in and saying that she's going run, to run against Sydney. <laughs> Nobody has any questions for her. Nobody has any questions for Sydney. No one is bothered by the by the interchange of Sydney will run. I will. I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? It's just like I get that the town is cursed, but just no one has a single thought in their head. And uh, I'm just like, what is happening? They need they need a strong, independent nonprofit news organization like the current. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have that because Regina runs that town. Yeah. Uh, so luckily next- we have a nonprofit paper that is great because they don't have to make anybody happy. Yay. The next scene I just described is evil villains have a villain off. That's when uh, Regina confronts gold in his shop um, because she knows he's behind reading the charter because who else would read the charter? I mean, please. Um, and he knows that she knows yeah. And she knows that he knows that she knows. They know. They know. And they're watching each other. And she she says something about how he's just trifling with technicalities by getting Emma to Emma to run. It's just gonna embarrass her, and he's backing a losing horse. And here's my favorite exchange from most of these scenes. Is he says, never underestimate someone who's acting for their child. And she says, He's not her child, not legally. He's like, Oh. Now, who's trifling with technicalities? You. God, we're just going to keep beating that horse. So, Like, this show really needs to make a decision on their internal logic in terms of adoption. Yeah. Because they have some really, 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 um, let's let's say problematic ideas about adoption that they just have not finished. It's, it's like... It's um, it's the layman's view of adoption. This is how I think adoption works, and I did not research that. But I've heard this yeah. is how it works. That's that's basically the understanding. They're working with they're working with the general what they consider to be the general population's understanding of how adoption works, not the actual legal proceedings. I I feel like, and if somebody has another take on this, please. But I just feel like the show's central idea of this is that Regina is not fit to raise Henry. I mean, that's not, true. I mean, it's true. But the show's approach to it is it's not because she's willing to say, publish that he was born in a prison. That's another good to line. An underage, underage mother. Um, it's not because of that. That's not why she's an un- unfit mother. She's an unfit mother because she's not his biological mother. And that's how the show approaches it. Ugh. To me, they don't point out that, you know, she is actively abusing Henry. She is actively abusing Henry. There's a good line that comes up in the very next scene where Henry says something about his mental health. (laughs) So 
So yeah, you just like, my child is fine, ma'am. Your child believes that you're a fairy tale witch that murders people. Yeah, well, that's I mean, why he's in therapy. Well, it's he's true. in therapy that's because true. of you. Um, yeah, she's she's giving adoptive parents a bad name once again. Uh, yeah. So Emma tries to go and oh, my screen just turned off. <laughs> so Emma go meets Henry at the diner the next day, and he's like cold shouldering her because he's reading the newspaper which Sydney wrote. Uh, which has a whole thing about how the future sher- the sheriff wannabe is a jailbird um, yeah. and how he was born in jail. And hold on, I wrote this down. Um, so he was born in jail. She admits that's true. And she says, tell me you're not scarred for life. He says, I'm not. Well, not by this. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, poor baby, no. We'll throw this. Wait, wait, wait. Next line. We'll throw this out and get our news from somewhere reliable, like the internet. <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> that's that's where we are. That's the mirror. Um, and he reiterates once again that they're gonna lose because evil always wins because evil can play dirty and good has to play by the rules and you can't win that way. And then here's my question: we we established in an earlier episode that Henry hadn't figured out who Mr. Gold was in the book, but now but he's he saying. Bad news. He's he's even worse than she is, but he doesn't know why. But he does know that Emma owing favors is a bad thing. Yeah. So that was, I think he's getting closer to where he is, but he can't put his finger on it. it. Yeah. Which to me, it's a little odd because he pegs everyone else so easily that this particular person, but I guess I have to give this 10 year old some slack. Well, and also it's harder to pinpoint gold because didn't he write the curse? Yes. That's why. Fair. And again, I will say, I'm going to give this 10-year-old mm-hmm. who is currently uh, believes that he is responsible for another person's death. Mm-hmm. And that it's also That's going right. to cause the death of his bio mother, who it yeah, is I, his fault she's here. I will give I will give him I will give him a little slack. Sorry, kid. Yeah, yeah. Um He's speaking of giving him some slack, his his acting has really improved over just a few episodes. He's a good kid. Like, like he's really growing into this role of Henry. He's also actually. literally growing into this role oh of Henry. Like <laughs> just like, oh my God, like in a season or two, you're gonna be like three feet taller, aren't you? It's nuts how big he gets so quick. But he's still a small person, so that helps. Yeah. He's still a small boy. Um so we we fast forward to the mayor's office where Emma conveniently goes to confront uh Regina about how she abused her power to illegally get a record of her juvie records. You know, I think this is my problem with the episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going down my scene by scene of it. And it's Regina confronts Emma. Emma confronts gold. Regina confronts gold. Regina confronts Emma. Emma confronts. It's just, there's, there's confrontation. It's every scene is just two people arguing and the writers trying to show how clever they are getting off a, a like a good line in the oh, middle. Oh, like, oh, I'm sorry. You didn't want people to know you cut his cord with a shiv? Okay, that's a good line. That's a good line. <laughs> but no, also, like, that's your kid you're talking about. Yeah, yeah she's, she's rude. Um, so Emma goes in to make this appeal about how this is wrong because it's bad for Henry's mental health. Like, yeah. she's going in to beg for... Regina to give a damn about her own son's mental health. Yep. And she's like, I'm just telling him the truth. He needed to know these things. It's, it's, oh, and by like, the way. Really, he, is, 
that how you would want him to find out? This yeah. is how you wanted him yeah. to learn this. But but don't worry. You can you and Sydney can discuss all of my illegal acts all you want in the town debate. Um mm-hmm. and uh right as oh, and then she's like, Oh, and by the way, Mr. Gold's not a friend you want to have. Be careful who you get into bed with. Like, I'm not getting into bed anyone. I just want to fight fire with kaboom. <sighs> Because the mayor's office is being renovated, and apparently that makes it very explosive. The fire scene is so contrived. Oh my god. All of a sudden, Regina becomes completely useless. She becomes completely helpless in this thing. A small, like, um, staircase frame fell on her leg, and she's suddenly rendered incapacitated and cannot save herself. Like, oh no, a lawn chair leaned against me. I'm dead. And she's like, oh, you're going to leave me. You're going to leave me. And Emma's like, I would like to leave you, but she's not going to. um, Yeah. Because she's Emma. Yeah, we do get a long look at Emma's face, looking at the fire while Regina's helpless. Yeah, she's- We cut to commercial. When we come back to commercial, we're actually, uh, the way the episode was constructed- we're in the past again. And they, and they, they they're hanging they're, for so long. Yeah. They're, uh, hold on one second. There is a connection here. Um, oh, yeah. There's the explosion and all this stuff. We cut the next scene is actually Balefire and Rumpelstiltskin in the past coating the wool and lanolin to make it flammable. flammable. Yes. And then we come back to this scene where Emma's considered her options and she jumps through the door and it does look like she's left Regina but she went to get a fire extinguisher to clear their path. Yeah. Um, because she's a big damn hero. And as soon as they get out the door, like she helps Regina up, who's hurt her ankle or something. As soon as she gets out the door, Regina sees the fire trucks and the news there and everyone's snapping pictures in their face. And she becomes an instant ungrateful bitch. Yep. Uh, put me down gently. Oh my God. She's like, I can't believe you're, you're arguing with me over about rescuing you wrong it's like well it's not like we were really in any danger yeah and that's when the the quote we opened with comes in and it's like next time i'll nope next time i'll do this again because that's what good people do yeah because she's right like i i would not leave my worst enemy to burn in a building and same i'd be mad about it maybe a little bit on bad days but i would i would feel proud that i didn't let someone die yeah now everything else happens really quickly but from the context of the episode and what happens later, we're meant to understand this is happening over some time. But essentially, a group of a group of Emma's friends, which are our named minor characters who don't have anything else to do do this episode. Mm-hmm. So Jiminy Cricket and Granny uh, and, and Snow White mm-hmm. yeah. are all very excited to suddenly be Emma's campaign staff, and they're going to make posters. They're going to get a picture from the paper of her rescue and use those as campaign posters. And Henry is so excited. He's like, you really saved my mom? I can't believe you did that. Like, he's grateful because he's conflicted. Um, And she says, see, Henry, we don't have to fight dirty. And as soon as she does that, she catches a whiff of something awful. Yep. And notices the lanolin cloth in the the fire's debris. Yep. So then we have another confrontation scene. Another confrontation scene. This is like, she's a, like this is like a bad improv long form. Yeah. She's like, hey gold, I know what you did. He's like, I didn't do that, but if I did, here's why I did it. Because and it's just like, yeah. oh, you're so clever. You knew that no matter what he she was gonna save Regina. Okay. Yeah. We got it. 
I'm sorry. These scenes like this, it's so. The the thing, like, at least he was like, fine, expose me, but think of who you'll be disappointing. And she was, she's like, well, nothing to lose in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that him being the puppet master is yeah. bad or uninteresting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that every every scene in an episode maybe shouldn't be a twist reveal to tell us which character is more clever than the last. Oh, but that's, well, this, this is where we are in this, this arc's plot is this is just Regina and gold out clevering each other to be the biggest bad, you know? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to just skip the scene about Mary Margaret and David being awkward? Uh, I have I have a few things to say oh, about okay. that. This is all I have. Okay. One, of course, he supports Glass. Well, girl, yeah. run. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, my guy, because- when you are the one that led her on mm-hmm. and broke things off, mm-hmm. you don't get to have that look and oh. act like she's being weird. Yeah, I just like how he's like, they make awkward small talk. And he's like, oh, I got a job at the animal shelter. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm actually very proud of you for that. And she's like, oh, you're postering for for Sydney. Okay. And he's like, well, yeah, he, you know, he's friends, Regina is friends with my wife. So, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Your wife going to go. Yeah. Like, but he gets all like, upset. No, he does not. He gets all like gloomy afterward. And it's like, buddy, this is, this is a problem that you made. Yep. Yep. So we we cut to the debate. Emma Poor Archie. Is... Poor Archie. <laughs> he's so nervous. Why are they making the town counselor be, I guess, because he's the conscience? Because, because one, he's the conscience. And two, like I said, we have to find something for him to do because he is an actor who's well enough known. He's a good actor. That he needs to have something to do in this episode. I like that Sydney is considering which bow tie he's going to wear. And I like that. Um, yes. And uh, and M is super. M knows she's gonna lose. She just knows she's gonna lose. She wants to show him that good can actually win by doing good, but she can't do that if she lets Gold keep the lie that he's, you know, doesn't tell people that Gold set the fire for her. Yeah, we get a beautiful scene, probably, probably the best written scene of this this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gins are carrying it on their backs. Yeah. I, I love the and Jennifer. She's like, well, what's really bothering you? And she's like, well, if I'm not the hero and I'm not the savior, then what part do I have in his life? And they're both, they both have this moment where they look at each other and they go, there it is. It makes me so happy because now Emma has finally acknowledged that she wants to be in Henry's life. Yes. And she wants a place in his life. And this is major character development for her. And I wish we had gotten a little more of this in this episode. Yeah. Spent a little more time with her grappling with wanting to be in Henry's life and trying to work that out. And maybe instead of these conflict scenes, we could have had another scene with the wonderful, incomparable Jennifer Goodwin. Yes. As, as Mary Margaret talking with her same age daughter. Yes. And helping her through a crisis. I, I wanted more of this. Yeah. It's it's another thing of like, I love this show. It's just, I also hate it because there's a lot of times where I, where I know because I've seen them do it, that they could be better. Yes. This one, they just had, like I said, this one was all bookkeeping. They had to get out of the way. They had to get out of the way how 
Emma was going to keep her job. They had to yeah. make sure that we had all of this other precedent in place for later. Um, we had to see Regina and Gold uh, fighting for power with each yes. other. And unfortunately, episode eight uh, was the victim of that. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the debate scene itself. Um, the, that, that's a debate. It, it was not a debate. Well, it didn't get to a debate. She quit before it became a debate. Yeah, they both um, had a statement. <laughs> uh, I do like that the 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 good touch of Sydney's opening statement was so like so standard good politician here for the community, while Regina's mouthing the whole thing word for word perfectly on cue, and then Emma Sydney gets up. Glass. I have to say it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but Sydney Glass, who runs the mirror, says he wants to be a reflection of the best qualities of this town. And I was like, a reflection. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Glass swan. Uh, (laughs) So Emma gets up there and I want to stop here for a second because this was the worst choice by a stage picture, or maybe it was done intentionally, but this whole scene was sepia. Because sepia. She's, wearing, the brown she's jacket. wearing brown on brown and her she's blonde and they put her behind a brown podium in front of a brown curtain with a yellow town hall logo. And it is just the worst color blocking I have seen in a scene. And the, the lighting and the angle is really unflattering. I mean, that was fine because they were in like a, a town hall gymnasium thing. So that I'm, it made sense. The lighting was bad to me. But I hated that they put her in those colors. And I get that it was like she's depressed. And so she's not like colorful. But, oh, and they couldn't put her in gray. That's Regina's color. Yeah, it just felt. It felt sepia. It felt blah. And it was just, it was odd direction. Uh, We did, we really did not get a feel for how the audience felt about this news or reacted to it. No. Um, well, especially given the eventual outcome of this. Yeah, she she gets up and she she thanks them for considering her, but blames herself for gold doing a thing. And she can't win that way. She wants to be upfront with everybody, so she understands. And she's like, I don't have the evidence, enough evidence right now, but gold did it. And this is where I officially decided that the people of Storybrooke don't actually have an idea of what a sheriff is or does. <laughs> because one, their idea of like, well, this person's a good sheriff because they've reported on the sheriff. And this person could be a good sheriff because they once rescued someone from a burning building. <laughs> Nothing about like stopping crimes or, you know, actually like keeping the town. You're missing something. Safer. Yeah. You're missing something. This is Storybrooke. There is no crime. Fair. Um, but essentially Emma's speech is like, I don't have any definitive evidence, but I am going to publicly accuse this man of a gross crime. Um, and I don't plan to take any further action on it. Yeah. Well, it's cause she's not sheriff. Uh, but I mean like, oh, yeah, but she's you know, sheriff, it's just like, she's still not gonna. yeah, yeah. It's just like, well, she's just like, she sure stood up to him. She, she blames herself and says, I can't, can't win that way. I'm sorry. Okay. Bye. And then she goes off to drink about it. Um, Immediately. She immediately goes off to drink about it. They don't even have a debate. They just have the vote that night because she's still in the same outfit. It was debate, then vote, because this is how small this town is. <sighs> we so, get 
yet another scene of Regina confronting Emma. (laughs) Oh, I see you're here with my son and a drink. Yep. Yeah, she's drinking in front of your son. You sexually assaulted a dude while your son was in the house. Like, let's, let's... Let's let's address that, ma'am. And Henry does apologize here for giving up on Cobra, and this yeah. this restores some of his seeing her stand up to gold like that restored some of his hope, which but is what she wanted. I, I said hope so hard that I just popped that pee right into the microphone. Hope because that's how much hope he just had restored just by his mom being the good guy, his mom Emma being the good guy, and doing what was right and not playing dirty and not letting them win that way. Um, I like that Sydney offered to join her in a drink. Yeah. That, that was not, he's a, he's not a bad guy. He's just on a leash. Yeah. Uh, and that's when she's like, well, yeah, well, your victory party's probably being set up. And he's like, oh, well, tell me how it is. Bloop. Oh, and the, the way I do enjoy the way Regina hands the badge over by like putting it on the counter. She holds it up, sets it on the counter. It's just like, congratulations. It's like the first moment of civility from her this whole episode. She's actually like just doing her damn job. And I, I enjoy her. Um, now, I don't think Mr. Gold makes a great friend, but he does make a superlative enemy. Enjoy that. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote that down too. I was like, oh. Yeah. Like That the, was good. That the, is what I want. <laughs> the actors of this show have their characters down. Eight episodes yes. in, and I love that about them. Um, and I'm I'm happy I'm happy with the resolution of this, obviously, because how boring would this have been if it was Emma not being sheriff for the yeah. next few episodes? Like you knew this had to happen. Yeah. Um. So she gets to have her big all all the town comes in to congratulate her immediately after that because the party's being set up in the back room room of Granny's. So. Mm-hmm. She gets to celebrate her win in her brown blah outfit. Yes. Oh, uh, another thing to point out a few, a few scenes back. I'm upset with how perfect Emma's hair was after she escaped a burning building. Yes. What hairspray is that woman using? Is there no humidity where they are? Uh, apparently not. It's so Even weird. though it's raining in like every other shot. So weird. Okay. <laughs> so back to, back to, back to the office. Back to the office. She enters the uh she enters the sheriff's office and goes to claim it as her own for the first time and then we see mr the previous sheriff's oh sorry graham's jacket graham's first jacket. we see graham's jacket hanging on yes the hook. you're right my bad then we get mr gold's more than a little threatening entrance i want to i want to just say because i had blocked out that graham's jacket was there for a second because how that would make me jump so much if the person I was still mourning's favorite piece of clothing suddenly showed up in my office without warning. Yeah. Um, and I think we're meant to feel that as... That's rude. Yeah. I think it's meant to be. Uh, I mean... Like, I, I really think it's meant in, to be. I don't know. In Gold's way, I feel like in Gold's way, that was a sweet gesture. I don't because he's a monster. This is true. This is true. Um He's a great actor who I'm so glad that this man does not think he is above the material he has given because he does so much with it. Yeah. But oof, this whole scene is foreboding and threatening Mm -hmm. and his jacket looks great. It's very much a 2011s stylish jacket. (laughs) There's a lot of stripes, 
a lot of jewel tones. We've got a pocket square with three different jewel tones in it, none of which necessarily uh, correlate to the undershirt and then the red tie. Well, that was all the rage. I I loved it. I was yeah. like, yes, like this is because this show is now a period piece. Yeah. We are far enough out from it. It is a period piece and we can enjoy the garish fashions of 2011. Yes. So, so he, uh, this is where he tells her, oh, you did everything according to plan. I planned all of it because everyone's afraid of Regina, but they're more afraid of me. So by defying me, you gained the trust of the people. But I don't think you'll be defying me again because mm. you owe me a lot. Oh, he he also echoes something that was said by Zoso. 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 Uh, I know how to recognize a desperate soul. Every time one of them says, I know how to recognize a desperate soul, I think of um, Diablo 2. Because I'm- there's a there's an NPC that you talk to and every time you do, she's like, I sense a soul in search of answers. Oh, I've heard that. And so I just hear it in my head every time. Yeah. So her being sheriff is going to make it easier for her to owe him that favor later. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Then we get pensive Emma stare and the episode ends finally. And congratulations to us. We made it through this episode. Ooh, we talked the normal amount of time on this congratulations. episode. Congratulations. I apologize for steering a bit today. I know it was your turn to steer, but I could tell you just did not want to talk about this. <laughs> so let's let's I say, uh i will say this you can tell the episodes that we're excited to talk about versus the episodes we're not excited to talk about because we just went scene by scene well yeah and also like y'all don't see this behind the scenes but um right now as a recording we are at one hour and 50 uh one hour and five minutes in an episode we like we're closer to one hour and 45 minutes yeah. where we walk yeah, we're like, talk about it. Let's just get this done with. And we we went as yeah. Because even with even with an episode that is bad, usually there are things that are bad to talk about. But this episode was just thoroughly middling. This one was rote. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I'm going to give this episode two mm. out of five um, improvised uh, lanolin fire starters. Yeah. I- yeah, I have to agree. I'll give it two just because it does set up a lot of valuable exposition that was necessary. And also it makes sense for why Emma got her job back. So I will also give it two lanolin-infused improvised flamethrower tour things. Yep. Um, now, do we have a best dressed for this episode? <sighs> I, I want to give it to <sighs> Mr. Gold personally. Uh, in the scene, in one of the dozen scenes when he is confronted he's like working in the shop and he's wearing you know a a long sleeve shirt with upper arm like gold upper arm garters yeah to keep his shirt up and i just love that kind of um that kind of fashion detail especially because it's very um oh god what's the word i'm looking for Mm -hmm. (sighs) anachronistic oh okay yeah yeah like it's not really a thing that you see anyone wearing in this era where, where we have elastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like a nice bit of fashion and it's a nice detail. And with him, with him wearing all this black, having this little splash of gold, I thought it was really uh, very elegant, very classy and elevated in a way we don't usually get to see Mr. Gold be when yeah. he's Mr. Gold. Uh, and also just nice for the show. I was like, yeah. Oh good. This looks good. This is a stylish thing that I would like to see on my husband. <laughs> Like, I'm not saying Mr. Gold's hot. I'm just saying it looks good. It's fine. Um, (laughs) I didn't 
the only outfit I paid attention to in this one was the brown on brown with brown and brown. Um, but I do kind so I don't remember anything, but I do kind of remember remember that Mary Margaret was wearing a cute hat when it was cold outside. Yeah, Red was wearing a cute. Uh, uh, I like Red top. too. Yeah, I was about to say Red just to do it because anytime Red's in a show, even for a second, I'm like best dressed. I was a little bothered because like she was wearing a really cute red top, but her red lipstick didn't match the top, and the reds clashed. That's fair. At least on my screen. You you got to be careful with your your winter reds and your spring reds. Yeah, clashing. Um, but like, and said, that's exactly what it was. It was I, like a strawberry on her lip and a yeah. burgundy top, and I was like, this does not work. I, I feel like Mary Margaret had a cute hat. And I guess Regina probably looked great in most of her scenes, but I didn't pay any attention to any good outfits this week. I was just trying to get through it. Oh, oh. Um, I want to give a, uh, a a thousand negative points going forward. Yes. For best dressed to David. Yeah. Oh. For his the hat that white men decided to wear in 2011. <laughs> I don't even remember that hat. He's wearing like a page boy cap. You're going to have to post that one. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> but I give him negative, negative 100,000 points going oh, forward. Oh, okay. I don't even remember. I don't even remember his hat. Out of the two, I remembered Mary Margaret's. Also because it's messed up. Over time, I will forgive Regina for her sins because the actor has so much charisma. The and I love watching so her. Yeah. Um, David is physically present. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I don't enjoy him. No, I like, I like him I enjoy later. Him, I, like I enjoy him later. him later with Mary Margaret. I don't yes. enjoy him on his own. I like when they get to work together and they're not having constant conflict, when they actually like get to use their on-screen chemistry and their off-screen chemistry, I guess they're married. Um, when they actually get to use their God-given chemistry, they're beautiful. And I love watching them like that, that one about the troll bridge, like that's still my favorite episode. Absolutely. They were so beautiful together and he just does better when he gets to work with her. Yes. Um, And it's because Jennifer Goodwin is amazing Mm -hmm. and any scene she's in is better. I, I am turning this into a Jennifer Goodwin stand cast, uh, but I, I just love her. She's amazing. I love her. Okay. Well, I think that is, that is all the time we have, unless you have something else to add. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to next week. It can't be as expositiony as this one. Um, uh, also, we we took a l- thank you for if you're if you're here and listening to this. Thank you so much for letting us have our Christmas break. We're excited to get back to you. I'm going to keep Mads on a very strict schedule. Oh yes, thank you. <laughs> and I again, I do want to apologize to everyone who for the hey, delay. Look, there were some we technical had- difficulties with getting used to this new recording program. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. And we've got it figured out. So thank you so much for for waiting. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Mepisode. Yep. It's a a mepisode. Tune in next time where we'll be talking about True North, the episode where Emma tries to save two children from foster care by trying to find their blind father. Uh, As flashbacks show the evil queen coercing Hansel and Gretel into stealing an important artifact from a blind witch. Uh, you can follow us online at Storybrook Pod. You can also find the episodes wherever fine podcasts are downloaded, including Stitcher, Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yeah. You can find me at Thirsty for Naps on Twitter. And Elaine, where can we find you? I am at Micathud, M-I-C-K-A-T-H-U-D. 
Mika thud, like the sound you make when you run into a glass door, because that's why it's in the name. <laughs> this episode has been a Your Pretty Friends production. Just the Thank one. You. Just the one. Your Pretty Friend production. <laughs> this is Storybrooke. Miserably Ever After. <laughs>